Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. And now the paragraph is scrolling. Two podcasters have done the Phantom Menace, and now they enter into episode two, Attack of the the Clones. And what will they discuss? Or hang on, we know what they will discuss. Okay, I'm sorry, I hate this. I'm not doing this. So, ladies and gentlemen, I just have to say this. We always have a conversation about who's going to start the episode uh, before we hit the record button. And I'm like, I don't have anything clever. Do you want to start this one? And he goes, oh, yeah, I got something. And then we hit record. And that's what we got. <laughs> that's what we got. That's what we got. Wow. Uh, about halfway I, through, I decided I, that I didn't like it. And then uh, I was I hoping did, you would you just say, have, okay, let's edit it done, out. And then, but now we have, have to keep like, it. <laughs> You could have done like Ewan, 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 uh, Ewan McGregor's hello there. You could have done that. That could have worked. But is that, no, is that, you went yeah. with, I mean, come. Uh, okay. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome it's a work in to progress. this episode of the Beers and Ears podcast. Uh, hello there. I am Casey and my partner over here is, uh, we'll call him John Williams 2.0 maybe. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the breath from my throat is like a chorus of little birdies. Everyone oh, loves to hear it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, anyway, this is uh, Matt, in case you guys don't know. I don't know if he needs an introduction, the infamous Matt. Uh, we are talking about, we're in our second episode now of um, the Star Wars. So we started a couple weeks ago, about a couple months ago, actually, at this point, uh, where we were going to kind of start in, in the Star Wars Skywalker saga and um, kind of go in order from episode one through episode um, nine. Of course, hit up Rogue One in there, hit up um, Solo as much as I'm not looking forward to that. All of those movies in between um, the 11 really movie episodes, uh, maybe even, I mean, we've already seen The Mandalorian, so I don't know if we want to do that again. But the whole point is, is to kind of take you through the journey and just have a conversation about it. It's been a while since we've seen these movies. And so today is about episode two, Attack of the Clones. Yeah, I'm sure we'll weave in Mandalorian, especially as we start to get like between episode six and end of episode six into the beginning of episode seven. It'll be interesting to weave that in. But if you want to Mm -hmm. listen to all of our Mandalorian talk, we have plenty of roundtables so you can head back (laughs) and listen to all of our thoughts. So but let's. Episode two today. And now you are on the record, I believe, on this pod saying that this is, is this least favorite or just not a favorite? This is least favorite. I mean, not including Solo, which again, Solo is my absolute least favorite. But of the nine in the Skywalker series, this is my least favorite of the nine. Although re-watching it today and, and kind of going back through it, again, this happened with the with with the Phantom Menace, which was, you know, after we rewatching it and um uh you know kind of having the rose colored lenses of of the Mandalorian of the, the 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 sequel trilogy and going back through it, you start to notice little things that maybe you didn't pay attention to before, and and so while it's still not my favorite, I think I maybe appreciate it a little bit more now. If oh, that, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that on, on some. Maybe it was Phantom Menace that we talked about our last time, where, where when when you first see it, you know, a lot of us the first time we saw this, the only thing that's out is 
episodes four, five, six, and then episode one. And so we're judging it based off of that. We're now that we've had seven, eight, nine, Rogue One, Solo, Mandalorian, you know, even even if you're a cartoon watcher, all the cartoons, you it 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 does change how how you view it. Um mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm in I, I don't know if I dislike this movie as much as you do, but in rewatching it and then thinking about you know, I do. I, I talk about this with Pixar movies. When a Pixar movie comes out, I, I say, you know, is it better than this? Is it better than this? Do I like it better than this? And you know, I start to look at it and go, okay, do I like this movie better than better than one? Eh, you know, about equal. Okay, you know, do I like it better than four? Not really. Do I like it better than five? No. Do I like it better than six? No. Do I like it better than three? No. It, okay, so now you're looking mm-hmm. at it's 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 automatically in that mid tier, um, and and. The, this is the movie that I think Hayden Christensen gets a bad rap for unfairly. See, I'm going to disagree. Oh, I'm going to disagree. I, I'm going to let you make your point and then I'm going to disagree. I think it's, Go ahead and make your point. I think it's poor writing that I, I'm not sure what he, I, I'm not sure what I would have said he wanted, what, have, what would I would say he would should do differently with that dialogue. And this is, in no different, uh, uh, sorry, no apparent, oh my goodness, I'm stumbling over words. This is in uh, most apparent in the scene where him and Padme are on Naboo. And, uh, I have to shout out, um, uh, Danny, who, uh, was, uh, on the management team at Rosemont, um, Danny Chambers, who you worked at Star Wars Celebration with, mm-hmm. th- that yep. scene was on one of our DVDs, and we're working one day, mm-hmm. and it comes on, and he comes over the radio, and just like this is the most romantic scene in in all of film. <laughs> I, I lost it for about three minutes, <laughs> um, uh, but it, it's just that. But that scene is just it's it's like trying to be romantic, but is talking about politics, and it, it's it's. I, it's just bad. I think it's poor writing that I'm not sure what Hayden Christensen was supposed to do with it. I don't think the system works. How would you have it work? We need a system where the politicians sit down and discuss the problem. Agree what's in the best interest of all the people and then do it. That's exactly what we do. The, the trouble is that people don't always agree. Well, then they should be made to. By whom? Who's going to make them? I don't know. Someone. You? Of course not me. But someone. Someone wise. I don't. I don't disagree that that it was poor writing. But what I I where I do maybe disagree a little bit is that the move the whole movie itself is not bad writing. Right. The whole movie itself is not bad. Ewan McGregor does fine with the lines that were written for him. Yoda does, you know, Frank Oz does fine with the mo- the lines that were written for him. May, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, you know, Ian McDermott. So uh, what I was going to get to the point of, you could literally erase all of the scenes, all of the scenes between Hayden Christensen, uh, you know, between, between Anakin and, and, and Padme, and the movie would be that much better for it. Oh, I, you I don't. Yes. You don't, you don't need, you don't need Anakin and Pad. You don't need Padme in this at all. I mean, I, I mean, very honest with you, you need Padme to make Luke and Leia, which eventually happens, right? You know, you need that for the marriage. I, you know, I get all of that, but I, I think 
the problem is, is when you when you pull away those scenes, it's actually a kick butt movie. I, I actually I the, this first I, I made mention of this uh, in, in Phantom Menace. The scenes on Coruscant are some of my favorite. I absolutely the scenes in the Jedi Temple are some of my favorite. I love when uh, Obi Wan goes to uh, Carino and it checks out the clones. I love yeah. I love that scene. I love the acting. I love the graphics. I love when he meets Jango for the first time, which, by the way, has even more meaning now that the Mandalorians come out with having Boba come back and seeing him so much younger and all. You know, so like all of those things, um, uh, without without Anakin and Padme, I, I think would have made a great movie. Anakin Padme, they bring it down. Now, to your point of Hayden Hayden Christensen, what could he have done with the dialogue? I just don't think Hayden Christensen's a good actor. I just don't. I he. I just don't think. I think he's just kind of a lousy actor, and he was cast because he was the up and coming, young, good looking guy of the early two thousands, and he got put into this role. He kind of has a little bit of a, uh, somewhat of a resemblance to a you know an older Jake Lloyd, um, and that's why he got cast. He's a he's a whiny little. You know what? That's well, kind of I how mean, I interpret them. You know, well, I mean, but that—that's part of the problem that I do think maybe that is a little bit of Hayden Christensen, where his portrayal, like, y- y- you go, so wait, the most awesome villain of all time, arguably, it, who's just ruthless, is just kind of a whiny kid. <laughs> um, like, I know that was a big, a big deal for a lot of people when this came out. But I, I think your point is supporting my point in that, yeah, the, the, if you took out all those scenes, the movie's still fine. So yeah. to me, what it seems like is those scenes were, 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 the writer didn't know how to write romance. But don't say the writer. Clearly. Say George Lucas. Yeah, George, George Lucas. Lucas did not know how to write romance, at least in this case. And, and yes. this is one of those things where I'm going to go into a rant here for just a second. Oh, because for every single time, for every single fanboy out there who has criticized Disney for what Disney did with the sequel trilogy and said, this is not the way George Lucas wanted. This is not the way George wanted. This is not where he would have gone. You have you have this steaming pile of crap that he wrote that is episode two. You have, again, he's the writer. He screwed up. He screwed up episode one. He screwed up episode two. Let's not forget how horrible people were to those movies when they came out. And yet they look through the rose-colored lenses to say, oh, George Lucas would have done so much better with the sequels. No, because you guys are all a bunch of whiny Anakin Skywalkers. You are just like Anakin Skywalker <laughs> whining because no matter what... they turned what, into Darth Vader. It works exactly. so well. I love but, the metaphor. <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is there's no writer in the universe who could get Give you what you want. The only reason why Mandalorian works is because there's nothing at stake. It's not a universe epic. It's a mini story. It's a mini series. That's why Mandalorian works. That's why all these little mini series are going to work. When you take something that spans fifty, almost fifty years, and you try to you try to you know appease the old fans and the new fans and bring new fans in. It's never going to work. I don't care if it was George or not. If George were to try to pin what 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 Abrams did and what Kathleen Kennedy did for the sequel, he would have failed just the same. He would have just the same. And I will tell you, I don't consider the sequel a failure. I don't. They made tons of money. They set out and did exactly what they were trying to do. Yeah, Sorry. I don't. I that don't, was a complete wait, no, rant. But you know what I'm trying to say. 
<sighs> that's totally fine. I mean, uh, it, honestly, I, I, I expect at, at least a couple of rants in this Star Wars uh, <sighs> as we go through these Star Wars movies. <laughs> like, well, you know how I feel. You, you know how I feel about Star Wars fandom. You know how I feel about oh, yeah. that. I have a couple of friends in my life who are like that. I'm not going to give you the names, but oh my God, get over it. Get over mm-hmm. it. It's, it's the, the owner of the property at the time that the movie was written directed and made made those creative decisions if you don't like it then don't go see it well and and that's ultimately where i come on this movie you know we've kind of you know spent the first you know part of this podcast being like on the movie but it's it's really just like that one those one parts and to be honest with you here's what happens during those one parts i check my phone i go get a snack i go to the bathroom i look at something else i just ignore it Um, and then when the cool stuff comes on, I go, all right, we're in the cool stuff. Now I'm going to watch now. Like, I love uh, some of the cool stuff that happened again. I, I think one of the reasons why I have such kind of a disdain for the movie is those parts. But then when you look at some of the cool stuff, like you talk about Dooku, I love count Dooku. Count Dooku is an amazing villain. I love that. He goes from, from episode two to episode three. I love that. We get to see him twice. Um, I love the scene when they get rescued by the Jedi in the, in the, the, the arena. I I absolutely love that. In fact, that whole arena seems just kick butt. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of, there's a couple of parts in the arena scene that you kind of go, okay. Um, but, but for the most part, I agree. Like that arena scene is wonderful. That whole Geonosis scene is wonderful. Um, I, the, when the Jedi come rescue him, that's where it's like, whoa yeah. there's a ton of jedi coming in and they're all battling like this that's to me is like you're I, I remember the first time i saw that and you know episode one you get a couple of lightsaber things and you know a couple jedi doing some stuff and that's fun and you're like oh that's really cool and then this happens and you're like what getting to watch Look getting to watch yoda yeah, getting watch, yeah. getting to watch Yoda kind of in his prime. Like I know mm-hmm. we're setting up for Revenge of the Sith when he battles when he battles Palpatine, but like this was when you think about it from a historical perspective, this is the first chance we get to see Yoda kind of in his prime using his powers um sequentially, right? And so I think that's mm-hmm. an important important call out too. Um uh, you know, I, I I think the other part of this and you mentioned this on the the Phantom Menace episode Again, being in the know that we know the Chancellor is the, the 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 Dark Lord, and we know that he is the Sith, right? Being in the know of that while they're trying to figure out who's putting these wheels in motion, and and we're learning all of these little things along the way, you know, it's, it's you know, twenty twenty vision now to know how it all plays out, but then you only had that tidbit of knowledge, which it was that he is, you know, obviously um, Darth Sidious, but you don't know his end game where now we know his end game. And I think mm-hmm. that adds another layer of complexity to it as well. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the, like the whole creation of the clones. You mentioned the Camino scene and the scene on Camino, I think is just dripping with this mystery. And what I love about it mm-hmm. is it shouldn't be dripping with mystery because we already know the answer, but it's still mm-hmm. like you, you feel the, the, the Obi-Wan being like, wait, <laughs> yep. like you're doing this on who's or like all, all this other stuff. I will say, you know, this, this army, they investigate it and they're like, Oh, we don't know where this is coming from. 
But then they're pretty much just like, you know what? Yeah, you know what? We need an army. You know, I know this was created under mysterious circumstances, but you know what? Let's just roll with it. Like, I feel like someone should have been like, hey, you know, wait, wait. <laughs> wait yeah, no, I, I agree. And this goes back to, you know, some of the conversation we had about the Jedi in the last episode. When you really think about some of the decisions the Jedi make and, and go, these are supposed to be the guys who kind of know what they're doing. Like, like some of the stuff that they do, it, it does kind of, you do kind of question it a little bit. You do kind of think through it a little bit uh, and go, huh? like, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I agree. This, this mysterious army, who's doing it? Why is it there? What was the agenda when it was originally ordered? You know, oh yeah, okay, fine. We'll, we'll accept it for what it is. Right. Um, it just, it's army. just kind of weird, you know? Like the other thing, um, Again, putting Anakin with Padme to be her protector. You would think that Yoda and Mace Windu and hell, even Obi-Wan, being as Force-sensitive as they are, knowing kind of the way the world works, you're really going to put this 18-year-old young guy with this beautifully attractive woman, even though he's a Jedi, who's, by the way, is only kind of been in training for like less than about 10 years and you're already having trouble with who's rebellious like huh well and you know they have a previous history yeah like it's not like oh hey two total strangers hey here you go like it's it they they know each other um um it's like wait a minute um so there's just some i but but i don't know if that's you know uh, that's one of those okay am i nitpicking or whether that's one of those things that it is pointing out that the jedi are not infallible that Mm -hmm. they this whole in tune with the force and all this other stuff is not a perfect system or i don't know whether in some cases they choose to just ignore because they themselves have personal relationships you know i i I, the idea that the jedi don't have personal attachments i think is such an interesting thing because people in general form personal attachments you know this this is science like the the laws of attraction state that you will most likely be attracted to people and be friends with people that you are Mm -hmm. in the immediate area of so if 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 you decide to live in close proximity with people, chances are you are going to develop feelings for them, whether that's romantic or just friendly. And so, you know, the Jedi who are especially like Obi-Wan and Anakin, that's one of those. It's like, clearly there's, there's a relationship there. Yeah. And so so the idea of no attachment is just interesting. The, the moment when, 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 um, Anakin's like, well, I'm a man, I'm grown up or whatever. And, 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 and Padme goes, don't look at me like that. And, and he says something and she goes, it just makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, oh man, that kind of applies to the world we're in now, you know, and, 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 <laughs> and you know, definitely, you know, you know, you want to be very careful about making people feel uncomfortable by looking at them the wrong way or saying the wrong thing. Okay. I need to slow us down for one second because I need you to be my master and i'm going to be a pad one here for a minute okay oh gosh but well because here's why you you are when it comes to star wars lore much more versed i think in overarching thoughts and overarching possible theories and, and even just stories and arcs and things like that there has been something that i have never understood even re-watching and continuing to rewatch. i don't understand if this is just something that never does get fulfilled or if I'm just missing how the fulfillment happens. 
Anakin is supposed to be, based on the prophecy, and I've got my hands up in quotes, the one who brings balance to the Force. Does he actually ever do that? Like, what does that actually mean? Like, knowing what we know about the whole arc of Star Wars, the nine Skywalkers, all the different shows and everything that's out there, how does he do it if he does? Or was the prophecy never true to begin with? Or has that ever been resolved? I don't believe it has ever been resolved. There is a cartoon arc in the Clone Wars that does touch on the bringing balance to the force. Essentially what happens is it's a, it's a very cool arc. Um, They, they Anakin gets lost on this planet and meets these force beings. So you have three beings. You Mm -hmm. have a sister who is representing the light side, a brother who is representing the dark side. And you have their father who is bringing balance. And essentially, if I'm remembering correctly, the father is the one that is balancing his two children. And the father is trying to recruit Anakin to take his place. Okay. And that episode culminates in, Anakin pretty much being like, no, I'm not going to do this. I have to, he's on a rescue mission. I had to go rescue my friends. I have to fight this war. I have to do all this other stuff. And he actually in all of being so surrounded by the force, this is the first time that he gets, he has a vision of Darth Vader of himself as Darth Vader. And uh, the force father guy, he ends up wiping that memory because he's tr- he wants to try to make him true. So that to me is the closest that there's ever been to like, you could take this position and bring balance to the force. There are some who would like to exploit our power. The Sith are but one. Too much dark or light would be the undoing of life as you understand it. When news reached me that the Chosen One had been found, I needed to see for myself. The Chosen One is a myth. Is it? I should very much like to know. But, but, but even then, though, really... it's, it's, that would then imply that there is no balance in the Force at the moment. So that he's, he, like, this, this father figure is obviously failing at bringing balance. Because the way I've always interpreted it was that the Force is somehow out of balance. And, and the reason why I asked this question is because... First of all, I've, I've never known if that if the prophecy was fulfilled, but I, I there was a quote in the movie today that I've, I've probably have heard before, but I think meant more to me because I just heard it for the first time, or I, I actually heard it, if that makes sense, where Windu says to Yoda or vice versa um, that only the Darth Lord of the Sith knows that we've we've lost some of our connection with the Force. That was hmm. the first time I remember hearing that line, which therefore means that the force is must be tilted more towards the dark side at this moment in time. So the Jedi are are looking for a way to to tip the scales to tip the scales back to to central to neutral or maybe even maybe possibly to their favor a little bit. And and I almost wonder if as we've gone through when George Lucas wrote that line of bringing balance to the fourth, 
Force, maybe it ended up not being Anakin who actually is the one who finally fulfills it, but it ends up being Anakin's line. It ends up being his bloodlines. It ends up being, you know, Luke brings balance to the Force at the end of, of um, you know, the, the second, you know, the, the, the main trilogy. And then, of course, we get the the, tri- the final trilogy, the, 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 the sequel trilogy, where um, uh, Ray ends up bringing true balance just to the universe because she's neither light nor darkness. She just is right. And, mm-hmm. and because Ray is a Palpatine and then of course, um, Kylo Ren is a Skywalker, but yet Ray adopts the moniker of Skywalker. I'm just wondering if like, if that's kind of where that thread went, but if it doesn't sound like it's ever been like concretely like, said yes this is where it was supposed to go to my knowledge no that episode does that episode arc does kind of hint that things are leaning dark side that like Mm -hmm. the brother is out of control so to speak Mm -hmm, and that's mm -hmm. part and the father being dying and 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 losing some of his strength that is the reason to try to recruit anakin to come and so Mm. the the cartoons both rebels and uh clone wars uh have a bunch of arcs with like these force beings that Mm -hmm. are not they're not on anybody's side they're just so in tune with the force Mm -hmm. um and and those are all i I find those to be interesting dives more into what the force is but yeah to my knowledge there is not a question would would you recommend that i i watch those cartoons (laughs) well gosh (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny you should bring that up you know i was just thinking you know it's been a while since i've <laughs> since i've pitched <laughs> clone wars and rebels uh yes I, I i i am so happy that a couple of our listeners have started to my 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 pestering has has a uh, um <laughs> And has 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 started to rub off on our listeners. And I almost made the joke in our hundredth episode where you were like, and I've been bugging Matt to watch this. And I'm like, so is episode two hundred then our clone wars? Because now that we've gone oh, once a week, you've got way man. more time. Yeah, I'm gonna have like a two year period to be able to to get caught up to there. <laughs> Jeez oh Pete's. Well, okay, so just to that point though, I mean, because this kind of fits into the conversation. So theoretically, then clone wars would be now it would be after watching this movie before we get to revenge of the Sith, right yes because that's what's happening and rebels happens that's in between that's in between three and four so that's like beginnings of the rebellion gotcha um um so yeah the 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 thing and i've talked about this on our clone wars episode but you know the, the the thing that i don't like about going from two to three is that two is like and here's the beginning of this epic war and then three mm-hmm. is like and we're near the end now and you're like wait a minute <laughs> um, i think i've like, come to the conclusion one of the reasons why i probably i probably write off the clone wars as much as i do you heard me made made mention earlier that like these movies are meant to be like like flat tentpole tentpole moments in the history of the of the universe, right? I think the reason why I probably lose interest in this idea of these of the of the cartoon of, of the Clone Wars is because they're not tentpole moments. They're they're the everyday moments of just fighting a war. And I've never been a war story guy, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say though, I did in this movie 
enjoy a lot of the political context, a lot of the political buildup. And I know you said that's present in a lot of the, the cartoons as well, but just, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of commentary out there about watching Palpatine come to power the way that he does and relating that to how, how authoritarians have come to power in human history, you know, Adolf Hitler, Mussolini, things like, I mean, Again, I don't intend this to be a political podcast, but even in some of the the shades of what we've dealt with in the last four years in this country and how it potentially could have went a lot worse if we weren't careful, if you look at just how he came into power, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's <clears throat> something that you do definitely get in the cartoons where you get um, some of the war wariness, where there's people mm-hmm. that go, listen, this war is costing us a ton of money. Great, great if we win, everyone's going to be bankrupt. Yeah. And then you also get um, the other side of it where we're, you know, we're all in this like separatist bad, but you forget that there's a whole system of separatist planets out there that don't know all the Sith underlyings are just like, listen, yeah, the Republic's horrible right now. And we're, we're, we're trying to support that. It, it, it's, it's, it's very interesting. So um, we well, even get the whole point where Dooku and, and, um, and, and Obi-Wan are talking and Dooku basically tells him the Senate's being ruled by a Sith right now. Like we can, we can stop him. Like there's a moment where had Obi-Wan made a separate choice to actually, to actually work with Dooku to, to take down Darth Sidious that it, it, it could have gone a completely different way. Um, um, it's really interesting. Yeah. 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 It, it, there's, there's, there's so many moments I think that cause Sith are backstabbing people. And so there's a lot of moments in in this in the movie you point out that one and the cartoons that Palpatine's plan could have totally come undone. Honestly, had Jedi just gotten their heads out of their butts and listened. And that continues to be a theme as we move into Revenge of the Sith, too, where where, you know, Mace Windu keeps putting Anakin in his place, if you will, and and keeps driving home that he's not a Jedi master that, you know, in like they they end up treating him like a baby to some degree. And and those are all moments that continue to lead to 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 Anakin's frustration, you know? Um yeah, yeah I'm with you. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I there was when when um Amadea goes back to Naboo and is talking to the Queen and and there was that moment where they're having the conversation, the Queen goes, We just have to put our faith in the Republic. There's shades of just even American history there, too, in terms of I'm thinking of like the Continental Congress of how all these individual member states wanted to be their own separate, you know, sovereign states and then have this loosely um, put together, um, you know, merge, if you will, or, or whatever of the Continental Congress. But they had no power. I mean, that's basically what the 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 Galactic Republic was at that moment. There was this loosely combined um, Congress of thousands of member states, member planets, yet they had no army to protect their their will, to protect the, the what, what was in the interest of the Galactic Republic. And that was what was coming up for vote, was whether or not there should be an army or not. That has so many shades in just American history and being the American history buff that I am. I'm going, wow, this is this is really cool to kind of put those parallels together. Yeah, well, and this is where I'll weave in the Mandalorian here where what I what one of the things I love about the Mandalorian is it's focused on this outer rim, you know, mm-hmm. planets that are lawless. And so I you know, in in this whole conversation in the storyline that we're seeing, it's this again, it's 
the Capitol, it's the hub, it's it's Coruscant, it's the Jedi Council and the Senate, and they're talking and and it's oh we're gonna do what's best for all systems and and all this other stuff, and yet there's this whole lawless outer rim that mm-hmm. pretty much doesn't care, and in fact is being is being affected by all the bickering and arguing between the the Republic and the and the separatists that that I ultimately, if you ask them, they don't care what, <laughs> what's going on there. Just whatever they need to fix something because mm-hmm. we've had to take matters into our own hands. And I, I think that's an interesting to look at all those scenes. Well, and then para- to know that. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I think I know what you're about to say, but um, where, yeah, it, it parallels, I think uh, to, to echo what you're saying parallels a lot of in, in America today mm-hmm. that, Honestly, just the the two sides are so focused on taking each other down that there's a large population of people that are like, listen, I don't, I don't care whether you yep. take down the other side. Help me. Well, you 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 were I mean, you, you're a youth minister. You used to be a youth minister. You still do minister youth. You've been in the position of having to cater to people's not only spiritual needs, but their physical needs and their mental needs and just humanitarian needs and that is exactly what you're calling out we've we've got this government this national government this even state governments to some degree but really the national government that uses people like pawns and the rest of the people out there are just saying look i don't care how you do it just do it right you know just just get us the help get us the aid whether you know whether it's 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 you know a minimum wage or whether it's a, a living wage or or it's it's you know I'm disabled and I have you know disabled benefits or um, the ability to just pay for food or or you know roads that work infrastructure like just things that work instead of instead of using us as pawns um, you know let's actually fix problems and you're right it's like this this gigantic mechanism of a government is there but it doesn't actually do what it's meant to do anymore. And that's, and I think this is, this is why you have what you have in these, again, outer room, outer room territories, these planets, these trade disputes and why it's so easy for Dooku and what is ultimately Palpatine to manipulate these separatists to create this manufactured conflict. And it really does, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, for people who are not necessarily all that political quote unquote, when you watch a movie like this, it does make you critically think, hmm, how easy is it to man- manipulate the general population to get them to believe what you want them to believe? You know, I mean, it's not that hard. It's really not that hard, you know? Yeah, it's, it, it, it is an interesting, an interesting look at, um, at government and how it works. And I, I understand that the star Wars universe and how the star Wars government works and how our real life government is not the exact same, but it mm-hmm. is an interesting conversation. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's, that's something worth, worth talking about. For sure. um, and I think that's why, you know, we find this movie a little more fascinating when we're not having to watch uh, the most romantic scene in film <laughs> Uh, um, because it is dripping with this intrigue of, oh yeah, you know, and, and even in some cases, okay, you know, I I think you can ask the question, where would I side in this? You know, would I Mm -hmm. be on the Republic side? Would I understand the separatist side or would I be more like a neutral moderate in the middle here? Where, you know, what, what, 
what do I see? And that's where, again, as a kid, first seeing this movie, I'm like, Republic all the way. Mm-hmm. You dirty separatists, get on board. Um, but as I've watched now more movies and shows and and consumed more Star Wars content, you start to kind of go, oh, yeah, you know, while the Republic has good things for it and could even say the Republic has good intentions, some of their, op- like, how they choose to go about it is like, ooh. Well, that's uh, that scene, the most romantic scene in in cinema history. During that scene, I I have to laugh because there's a part where where Anakin and and, and Padme are talking and and and, you know, Anakin goes, you know, there should be a system where, you know, people come together and they talk out their issues and and they decide what's best for the people. And then Padme goes, well, that's the system we have now. But then, you know, politicians get in the way or whatever. And then, and then Anakin goes, well, then they should be made to do that. Right. And, and I laugh because I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat of a family guy fan. I mean, not as nearly as much as my wonderful fiance is. He, 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 he literally plays family guy and like American dad at night to fall asleep too. So I've watched every episode (laughs) you can possibly imagine, but there is an episode of family guy out there. uh, I think it's family guy. Yeah. It's family guy where, um, the townsfolk of of um, wherever they live, I can't remember exactly. This, this Cohog, yeah, Cohog. I was gonna say, I was gonna say the other one for American Dad, but Langley. No, it's it's Cohog. Um, so where the townsfolk of Cohog don't like the the laws and the rules that are set up, and so they decide through Peter to disband the laws and the rules, and it's complete anarchy. And then at the towards the end, they they elect. Uh, somebody to come in they like peter and peter kind of sits out there stands out there and goes folks we should have a set of rules that we that are our guiding principles of how we're going to act in a civil society and we should call that set of rules uh, a constitution we should constitute those things together and and, and it kind of comes full circle right it becomes this thing of that's literally what you had and and it just it just makes me think of that 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 moment because and I don't know where I was going with that particular line of thought other than to say that sometimes you it it is it is easy to criticize governance it's a lot harder to govern and and governing with the best intentions is hard governing when people have bad intentions which is again human nature in a lot of cases and Star Wars proves it. Um, that's when things get really, really crazy. Um, I want to, I want to shift just for a moment because I was thinking as I was watching this today, there is an absolute different tone that is struck with these prequels versus the sequels. In fact, I think every of the, all three of the trilogies, when you look at them wholeheartedly as as, as one, two, three is, is its own set, four, five, six is its one set and seven, eight, nine is its one set the tone from sequel to, or from, from trilogy to trilogy is drastically different. And I think one of the things that I really appreciate about the prequels is that they are very lighthearted. They don't take themselves too seriously. I think seven, eight, nine, I think I might've even mentioned this on the Phantom Menace episode. They take themselves. It's, it's, it's almost like labor intensive to have to sit through and watch them. And I love the sequels. I'm, I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. But you have to, you have to like and take a breath because you know it's going to be dramatic and it's going to you know it's going to lay on thick the emotions for you and it's going to be <laughs> world ending and universe clashing. Where 
one and two so far have not been that. Yes, there's been moments where there's been fighting and stuff, but it's not been universe crashing yet, you know? And I think there's a lightheartedness that makes them easier to watch. Well, Obi-Wan Kenobi is funny. He's a funny yes. character. Not yes. funny as in like a um like a comedy movie where it, it it's not it's not bad taste. Like if Obi-Wan were, were were like making jokes left and right. I guess it's not an MCU type humor mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. you know, where it's the banter or this other stuff, but like he trolls people and how like the like I mean I know this is an episode two, but the hello there is yeah. is very much like a <laughs> like that's funny. Um and, and you're you're right. It does kind of have that lightheartedness. I think that the his aura keeps it a little bit lighthearted. And it yeah, it feels like there's stakes without, like you said, this like Ooh, we're going to infuse as much dramatic things into this. Um, it, 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 it's, it, it almost is like the sequels are a pile of nachos and they're like, all right, and we're going to throw seven types of cheese and then put nacho cheese on it. And then, you know what, what other cheese can we find more cheese? And it's like, okay, you know, at, at some point we, it, it's, it's fine. We can just yeah, eat the I, nachos I, now. I, I, I don't, I don't need a heart attack dying from cholesterol or from, you know, yeah. 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 It, I, I okay. you know, I will say that um, now that you mentioned that too, Yoda kind of finds his way back in this episode a little bit where like in episode one, he was, probably a little bit more dramatic than we would have like we, we come off of knowing yoda from five and six where he's kind of this funny guy and and he's you know he's got he's got jokes and in episode one he doesn't really have jokes he's really serious and then in this one i, I was thinking about the scene with him and obi-wan when obi-wan comes in and says i'm trying to find this planet you know uh, carmino and, and i can't it seems to have disappeared in the record and and you know yoda's like uh, lost the planet uh, master obi-wan has to the younglings like it's just it's kind of a funny moment and it's lighthearted, and you're and he's and he's he's as you said trolling yoda's trolling obi-wan at that point yeah. like he's like well look dude like seriously like if it just because it's not on the record doesn't mean it exists go to the center of gravity it's probably there like he trolls them like it, 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 in his own little yoda way you know i'm sorry to disturb you master what help can i be obi-wan hmm I'm looking for a planet described to me by an old friend. I trust him, but the systems don't show in the archive maps. Hmm. Lost a planet Master Obi-Wan has. How embarrassing. How embarrassing. Yeah, I, I like to think of it as, as as he got older, Yoda became like a kooky old guy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what five and six is. We get kooky old guy Yoda, and this is more like mellow Yoda. <laughs> It's also one of the reasons why I like him in eight and nine too. When when we see him show up in in eight and nine as a force ghost to Luke, and you know, and in eight he's he's kind of kooky with yeah with with Luke, and, and he kind of is playing around with Luke and sets the darn thing on fire. Like yeah, you know, Yoda, I, just, <laughs> I love I just, that just, moment. That's the whole point. It's like Yoka Yoda got a little too serious in episode one, and he just got better as we went along. So, and we're gonna get to Revenge of the Seventh eventually, and I'll tell you. The scene between him and Palpatine, I think, is just one of the best. It is the best, I think, fight scene, in my opinion. The back um, third of that movie oh, is just, uh, my goodness, I'm it so goes excited. So, I'm, it goes so fast, but at the same time, it doesn't It doesn't feel fast. Like, it, there's just so much. To, it, it's, I. <laughs> you're right, the back third of that movie is so amazing, and it feels so jam-packed, but it doesn't feel overly rushed. No, you know? not at all. 
Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about that one too. So anything else um, about episode two? No, I, I, I think I was surprised. Kind of like you said, I was surprised at how much I, I was like, Oh, I, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm having a good time. Mm-hmm. And um, um, definitely, you know, certain parts where I tuned out, but I, I enjoyed it. I, I had a good time rewatching it. Yeah, I did too. I did too. I, I read an, I read a, a quick little quip on here. I'm trying to find it real quick that um when when they were writing when they were writing the the script um the working title was star wars episodes to jar jar's great adventure <laughs> and they were trying they were trolling they were trolling um you know the fans who obviously had been overly critical of jar jar and i got to say jar jar has much less of a role although you don't see him in the movie he plays a pretty critical part in the movie, taking over from yeah. Amidala as senator and 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 calling for the emergency powers, um, in, yeah, in uh, Palpatine. So I mean, he sets a lot of that emotion. It makes you wonder if the theory that they had, or the working theory that's out there about Jar Jar being that the mastermind behind everything, if that was still potentially in the background. I I I stand on the record on this podcast saying that would have been absolutely amazing i would have <laughs> lost my mind in the theater if either episode eight or nine uh, jar jar binks comes out and it was him i would have lost my mind and loved every minute of it it's like it's like again i go back to american dad you know barry from american dad the, the yes. friend, where he's got the he's the crazy but then when he gets evil barry he gets that monotone like you know that evil voice like had jar jar come out of the shadows with the with the barry monotone voice of I was the, I was the arch enemy the entire time. I was, I was the, he drops all the Mesa thing and it's just like the smoothest deep voice ever. Yeah. Like I think Jar Jar Binks. Right. Seriously. (laughs) I think that would have been perfect. Oh my God. But anyway, it does make, it does make me wonder if, if there were some remnants there or not, whatever, being the one who cast that vote, but probably not. But yeah, I think overall, Again, not one of my favorites, but rewatching it, it definitely is, it, it needs to be there. It clearly sets us up for what is happening down the line. Um, and it clearly gave the Star Wars universe a period of time to be able to build so much other uh, canon um, in between two and three which you you obviously love and so do so many others. Do that, I love you know, it? Oh, that's right, I do. <laughs> oh yes, you. Oh, you love it. It's almost like you're 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 Keenan from uh, from all that. Do I love orange soda? I do. I do. I do. I do. Do I love the Clone Wars? I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. Ooh, that's 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 Matt when it comes to the Clone yes. Wars. Yes, you're right. It is. I, I don't deny uh, it. You are right. I need to make a meme of you like stroking a, a stroking the the orange soda, but the orange soda is named the clone wars i do i do i do i do all right anyway uh it is closing time uh if you would like to get a hold of us i'm not going to sing for you like matt did um if you would like to get a hold of us you can find us on facebook at the beers and ears podcast you could also i just got that joke like two seconds ago i was like wait what do you mean sing oh right right, right. my my beginning terribleness of this episode okay all right keep going tell the people where they can Uh, find us you can get us on twitter and instagram at beers ears 1928 or find us or email 
Ellis at Beers and Ears 1928 at gmail.com. Uh, remember, new episodes every Tuesday will be dropping to your feed. If you're not already subscribing to us, please do. We're on all the major podcast apps, uh, Apple, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, you name it. Um, and if you have an idea for an episode, let us know, hit us up. Um, we have you know lots of ideas on our own, but we're always looking for new content. So um, let's go ahead and raise our glasses, everybody. Yeah, this episode has been on us and we will see you next time. Have a great day, everybody. And may the force be with you. May the force be with you.